without explicitly thinking about it, I think subconsciously, that's always sort of drawn me to art where it's like, I can create my own world. I can create my own reality and control it because and like everything in this world is so, so much of it is so out of our control. dedicated to the exploration and discussion of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S, and today's episode is the first part in a two-part conversation with the artist Jay Riggio. Jay is a college artist from the US who creates intricate three-dimensional resin sculptures based on a variety of themes. I had an absolutely amazing time talking to Jay, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation too. The best place to start is I start with everybody is uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Um, my name is Jay Riggio. Um, I'm from New York, um, Long Island originally, born and raised, which is uh, sort of, I grew up sort of close to New York City, but it's very suburban and on the outskirts of everything that's all the culture and stuff that New York has. So I really didn't get any of that. Um, where do I start? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, um, as far as becoming an artist, is that what you asked? I'm sorry. How did I become an artist? Just kind of like your journey. Like how did you become an artist? Oh, uh, well, um, it was sort of an organic thing. Um, I grew up, um, skateboarding and I was obsessed with skateboarding and, um, I really didn't know what art was. And I, I guess my first real exposure to art was skateboard graphics. And, um, just without really knowing, I never really thought that uh, skateboard graphics were art. I just thought like, oh, it's just cool, something cool on the bottom of a skateboard. And um, and um, yeah, and just through the years, I never really thought about art, but I was always sort of like doodling or um, I was sort of interested in art. Um, there's a lot of pro skateboarders that are have gone on to become artists and just through flipping through skateboard magazines, Thrasher, um, you'd see, they'd sometimes have a profile on an artist who's a, a skateboarder, who's an artist. And um, I always sort of appreciated it. And, you know, I, there were definitely times where I saw a piece of art that someone did and I was kind of moved by it, but I didn't know what that was. You know, I think it was like a feeling of like, you know, when you fall in love for the first time, it's just like, whoa, what is this? I don't know what this is. And, um, I remember, I think the first time I actually felt something from art where I was like, whoa, I'm moved by that. I don't know why I remember this specifically. And it's probably, it's sort of weird. But when I saw the movie Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> I was, I don't know how old I was. I saw it in the theater, but um, I left that movie like, wow, like I'm moved. Like I felt something from that. It was like, I don't know what it was. I was like, that was beautiful and tragic and sad and hopeful and so I think that was like the first time it hit me that like wow someone can create something and um you can feel something from it it can spark an emotion and um and you know there was going you know in school and stuff you know I never there were art classes and stuff but I never really explored art you know I would played with photography a little bit and video just through like filming my friends and film each other skateboarding but, um, and in that, I, uh, sort of in that 
time, like I was like, oh, I wanted to be a filmmaker. That's sort of what I thought I wanted to be. And um, but in that time, I um, I was taking a lot of I guess this is sort of like 17, 18. I was taking a lot of photos, Polaroids. And um, uh, I just sort of started cutting them up and using a paintbrush and painting them in just like a scrapbook because I was I wrote a lot. And um, in sort of like, I guess it would be considered a journal, but just daily writings, I'd start pasting stuff in there uh, with tape and glue. And I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing and just, it was sort of just organic in that way. And um, yeah, like uh, I didn't know anything. I had a, a buddy that went to art school and uh, I had gone on to study, I went to college to study film, film and writing. I thought I wanted to, I really wanted to be a cinematographer. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was I was like enamored by cinematography and and that, you know, and in time I realized like, oh, no, those guys are like geniuses because it's like it's not just like framing a shot, oh, which no. I wanted to do. I just wanted to be like frame the shot and be like, oh, I'm a cinematographer. But it's like, no, there's math and uh, all these specifics that go into it that uh, and that were just beyond my patience level. I think, but, um, but yeah, so I started cutting stuff up and I didn't know what an X-Acto knife was. I was using a box cutter to cut things <laughs> because I didn't know, you know, I never went to art school, really traditional art school. I mean, I guess film school could be considered art school, but I never went to art school. So I didn't know really what I was doing. I was, and uh, a friend of mine who went to art school, school of visual arts in Manhattan, he, uh, he saw what I was doing and he was like, why don't you get an exacto blade like and sort of showed me oh why don't you use some spray glue and showed me some of like tools that he's used in school and um and yeah and that sort of uh it was just sort of organic just writing cutting things up painting and um didn't know what i was doing i was painting with spray paint i'd spray <laughs> uh onto a piece of cardboard dip my paintbrush in there and paint and i I still do that actually and ruin That's paintbrushes. Great. That's yeah. amazing. But yeah, I really didn't know what I was doing. And it just, I don't know, I guess it was just sort of an organic thing that just happened. So, so that's actually really fascinating because I interviewed a photographer on Monday and he started off skateboarding. And that's how he got into photography. So it's super interesting that you're the similar way and you're like, there's so many other creative outlets that kind of like the arts are very, you know, similar, like people who do like photography are very kind of in tune with like music and in tune with skateboarding. And it's kind of, yeah. it's quite interesting to see like the different kind of creative outlets and how they kind of all merge together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting because, you know, at the time getting into it when I was so young, I was, was skateboarding for so many years, but it was just like, oh, it's like a cool thing. Like it just seemed cool. And I had an older brother who got, got into it and I was just sort of following him, him. But in retrospect, you look at it and you kind of see how skateboarding sort of shapes your mind to look at things differently. I think it really kind of trained my eye to see things from a different perspective. Because you look at like a, just a piece of architecture and you just see you know, a ledge or steps or a handrail, what's possible on it. So I think it sort of opens up your mind to like in an alternative way of thinking uh, and looking at things you know, sort of normal everyday things and seeing possibility in different ways that maybe you wouldn't see or wouldn't think were possible otherwise. 
So do you think that as an artist, you have like a different perspective on the world as opposed to like the general public? I, uh, without trying to like, I, I say it and I'm like, oh, does that sound like arrogant? Like I'm, so, I'm not special. I'm definitely not special, but I definitely see the world differently than I think. I definitely have an, a, I think everybody has a unique point of view. Everybody, regardless of whether they're an artist or, uh, you know, a janitor, a teacher, I think everybody's point of view is different and they all have their uh, special way of looking at the world. But I definitely think my perspective is unique. Um, and that sort of ties back into skipping ahead. It's sort of like, first for, for, you know, it took so long for me to uh, call myself an artist. Yeah. Um, because... I saw so much other art, so many other artists that were so incredible. And like, I was like, I just felt like I paled in comparison to that, that my point of view or my quote unquote vision, like just couldn't compare to it. Cause I was, you know, I'd see art or music or film, all the things that I love, you know, great art. And uh, I would be intimidated by it. I was like, ah, I have no place in that world. These people are too special. Like this is too incredible. Uh, and it took me a long time to, and it took me a long time to like sort of work through that to realize like, oh no, I'm definitely, I, I can't compare to that because my, my vision or my point of view, my perspective and way of seeing the world is unique to me. And that's where I have a place because what I do or my point of view is going to be so much different from someone else's, you know, you could put the same amount of materials or the same sentence or whatever and be like hey describe this with a million different people and they're all going to have a different take on it so uh yeah i think i think i do have a particular point of view and there are definitely a lot of themes that reoccur probably to like nauseam <laughs> you know i sort of like punch the same themes in the head over and over again obsessively but um yeah Sorry, that was rambling. No, no, no. That's say. So I was just just gonna say to you, like, I absolutely love the way you talk. It's so good. Like, it's exactly the kind of conversation I'd love to have with people. Like, it's it's great. And like, I already enjoy. Like, we're like forty minutes in. I already love this conversation. It's gonna be great. Um, it already, it already is great. That's the thing. So, so at what point did you know that you wanted to become an artist or have a creative career? Um. So, like, it's funny. Like, I. Kn- like I said, like, you know, in my early years, like I never considered myself an artist, you know, I just knew I liked to make things and I wanted to make things, you know, but um, I didn't know how to monetize that, you know, and my background, the way I was, I grew up, you know, like my dad and my family is really like, you got to get a job, you got to work and, yeah. you know, and I didn't know, I would, and just, you know, leaving school college and going into like the workforce like I didn't know how to mesh the two together but I just knew that I loved making art um but I didn't know that there was a place for me in the art world um so I just started working you know I I studied film and and I studied writing and you know I worked at like some video editing places and then Film is a very collaborative thing, yeah. uh, art form. And I quickly learned that I'm not a collaborator. 
I'm just not. I like to just, I like to be solitary. I like to do my own thing. I don't, you know, even like uh, collaborations I've done with people. I just, I like to do my own thing. And uh, not that I don't, I dislike people or anything. I just, um, yeah, I just, I've always, I just feel like uh, um, collaborations or, or working with other people just sort of interfered with my point of view or my vision. But, um, but yeah, so I worked different jobs and I started writing for, you know, editorial stuff and I started writing for magazines and then um, I was an editor to a magazine. And so, so I turned into all these corporate jobs and I worked in marketing. So for about 12, 13 years, I was working uh, different jobs uh, corporate jobs and, but I was making art the whole time. Um, but I just, I never showed it to anyone. I never had a gallery show or I, I had like a piece of art and like a friend show, a couple friends show in New York, but that was pretty much it. I was just sort of, uh, working and just thought, I guess this is, I was always unhappy. I didn't, and frustrated by the idea that I had to work every day and commit so or dedicate so much of my time every day to a job that I just disliked and only a small portion I get home and just drink coffee try to stay awake making art and then do it all over again and I'm like is this life I don't understand and I was just really like for years for over a decade that's how I lived my oh. life and um it wasn't until about eight years ago um that I decided to, well, I didn't show any work. Okay, so I should say this. It was really when I started sharing my work. Uh, I started a Tumblr page and then Instagram came around and that was sort of like a big thing because I'd never really showed my work with people and all of a sudden I'm showing my work, sharing. And um, yeah, I guess it was like, oh, there's a response. People like it and I saw other like-minded artists and people who are sort of working in a similar medium. And I was like, Oh, maybe like I could just do this. And at the time I was sort of disenchanted with everything. And I was just really unhappy working at a nine to five corporate job. And I was like, fuck it. I don't give a shit what happens. I'm leaving. And I'm just going to try to make the art. And uh, it's funny when I look back, cause the art that I was making eight years ago, I thought I look back and I'm like, Oh, it was terrible. What was I thinking? <laughs> I should have stayed at the job. It was so bad, but um, it was the best decision I ever made because, you know, I, I, I feel, and, and at that point I was, I was able to be like, okay, I, I'm an artist now, you know, and uh, I was able to dedicate all my time to making art. And I think that for me is what really changed my practice and uh, developed my vision. I'd never thought like I had like a, a clear vision or style, you know, until, you know, years later working in and working every day in and out. Um, and yeah. That's crazy though. Like just taking the risk of, of doing that. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. People, people have been like, it's so crazy. Like you, you did that, you know, but honestly at the time I was so unhappy that I it didn't even seem like a risk. I was like, I don't give a shit about anything. It was either, and you know, I had met my girlfriend who we live together now uh, at the time. 
And I was like, I don't care if I'm homeless. I don't care if I live on the street, if I run out of money, like is anything would be better than going back to the life I had that nine to five job, like driving every morning, eight in the morning, drinking coffee. Just, I mean, I would be in tears sometimes being like, what am I doing? It was so awful. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been easy, but, and that's a whole nother story, but. Yeah, but I say, but that's the thing. I, I agree good. Like, it's not like, oh, you just quit your job and you became an artist and it all worked out very well. It is, you know, I imagine in between the, the two periods of time from where you are now and to you having left your working environment, that there was a lot of kind of struggle and a lot of, slow days i imagine actually could you talk a bit about that actually that might be quite interesting yeah yeah i mean i i mean it's been like almost eight years since that since i left my corporate job and it's still a struggle it's still difficult i mean since then it's crazy when i look back i mean day to day i'm kind of like you know even some days you know doubt seeps in and i'm like what am i doing i'm just gonna get a job again you know i still have those thoughts um but i mean through the years it's like i've shown through galleries across the country overseas and you know um been very fortunate to have my work bought by collectors and um stuff like that but i mean it's a lot of times it's you know it's things are going great you know like oh last year was great i had like two solo shows and things were going and then the pandemic hit and then yeah. i'm like not a lot's going on right now I had a was in a group show last month and then like I don't really have any shows going on right now so I'm just I don't know you start to think like oh am I done am I done with all of that like great like high point you know but um I don't know I just think for me and then it's the monetary stuff too it's right I mean some yeah, months I'll, I'll I'll be you know I'll sell some work in a gallery or I'll sell some work directly to a collector and I'll have a good month and then I'll have a couple months that are really bad. And, you know, and sometimes you get this feeling where like, am I like, it's sort of, it's just a thankless job. A lot of times, yeah. you know, like That's who am I making this for? It. Who am I making this for? You know, if it's not a commission, you know, which are great too, but sometimes I'm just making stuff. I'm like, is it just for me? You know? And then you share it on Instagram and it doesn't <laughs> perform well. And you're like, Oh, I suck. <laughs> you know, I'm terrible though. So, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of still struggles. Um, and I think, and I always think like, you know, unless I'm selling work for hundreds of thousands of dollars and then, then I'll be set, you know, but until then I think it's, and I don't see that ever happening in the near future, hopefully someday. I think fashion never say never. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also I'm a, think I'm a, pe- I'm a pessimist. So Oh, I'm very, I'm very cynical myself, but I also can understand that, like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you know, look at, um, which is probably a bad example, but look at like the whole NFT craze and people making a lot of money off that, for instance, you know, right. like, people wouldn't have predicted that. So we don't know what's around the corner, particularly for that. True. It's um, true. Yeah. Uh, I'm not just true. that, like, if you're positive about the future, good things will happen. I know. I, try, I say, I, try, I say that my, as somebody who isn't positive about the future. But yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. That's that's one of my biggest problems. I'm so negative. My my girlfriend is, you know, she'll hear me speak and she'll be like, "What are you saying? Come on, <laughs> like, you got to think positive." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's just not inherent in my nature." <laughs> I guess kind of an interesting question to ask you, particularly because of your background, then is like, what's the sacrifice of being an artist? I'm sure every artist is different, um, but for me, yeah, I've sort of. It seems like a sacrifice, but it doesn't feel like a, 
Well, I guess it's sacrificing everything. I mean, I've sacrificed a steady income, um, free time. I'm sure friendships have suffered. Um, so uh, my sanity has suffered. Um, yeah, I mean, me personally, I, I've dedicated everything to being an artist. That's all I, I do from, I, so I guess it's sort of like a job. I mean, treat it like a job. I wake up, I make art until about five, and then my girlfriend finishes, and then we convene and eat, and that's when we have free time. But I mean, it's seven days a week. Um, we moved to a place recently where I, I don't really have any physical friends anymore. All my friends are in New York. So, um, yeah, so it's just, it's just sort of my life and everything else fits around art, you know, and, uh, you know, definitely things have suffered, I'm sure, as far as keeping in contact with some people, just because I, I'm obsessed and, uh, that bleeds into when I'm not making art, you know, it's hard to turn off that mechanism in my brain. Because I'm just always going, always going. Um, I sometimes think it's it's a curse, uh, <laughs> where I just can't turn off the that part of my brain where I'm just thinking about making something new or thinking about something I'm working on. And um, it's hard at times. It's hard a lot, actually. It's it's hard. It's hard a lot because I, you know, sometimes I'll be watching a movie. Uh, and I'll, I'll, it'll be two, two and a half hours past and I didn't see the movie. I was just replaying yeah. all the things in my head about what I did wrong and how I'm going to fix this and what I need to do for this. And yeah. Yeah, that is hard, like, like, particularly if it is your job, because it is your job. It's like, how yeah. do you switch off? Like, how do you yeah. switch off from that? Because it's just like, even like social media, like the time you spend, but that's a whole chapter later that's coming later. But like, even social media, like, even if you're online, even for an hour, that's one hour you're not spending creating work. And it's like, you know, you have to find a balance between, you know, being able to relax, which is something I'm really bad at. It's like, you have to find a time, way to relax yeah. and kind of just be yeah. like, you know, I actually know I need a break from doing it because you like, like, do you think you can be too overproductive? Yeah. I, I think there's a point of like diminishing returns, you yeah. know, where you're just like working and working and, you know, you're just working for the sake of working you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do that all the time because, you know, I just don't know what else to do with my time. Like I've, I'm so invested in like making art and I love it. At times I hate it too, but there's a time I think where you just really need to step away. I have a hard time doing that where I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a day or two and just not make art, you know? Um, my girlfriend sort of like pushes that like on me where you know we'll take trips sometimes she has a trailer uh airstream trailer and we'll get away for a few days just do like a camping take the dogs and just get away from everything and it's hard because your phones are still there and stuff but it's definitely a break from physically making anything where i can't physically make anything you know so that's good i think i think it's also like pressure with social media because it's yeah. like you put something out right and then it's like, it's gone. You know, yeah. you'll, I'll work on something for a month, put it like post it and then it's gone, you know, yeah. whether it sells or not. And it's, it's sort of like this world that we're this high paced world where it's just like, you're only is 
relevant or noticeable is just the last thing you did. So it's just like, you're constantly just chasing your tail, you know? And I think, I think it's important to step away from that for a minute to be like, okay, like, I'm just a person. We're all just people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's true. That's so true. That's that's You don't need to produce all the time. We don't need to like make money and money isn't money isn't everything to be fair yeah it's not everything i think that i think there are certain points in life where you really you really realize that um Mm -hmm. it's not that i need to be aware of but yeah it's one of them (laughs) so i was actually really surprised i know you've already said it earlier but i'm actually really surprised that you're self-taught um i was actually very surprised by that um and i'm kind of curious like what kind of advantages do you think that gives you as a as an artist i think personally is I, I think it gives me an advantage because not necessarily an advantage amongst my peers or other artists, but just an advantage is to my own mindset in that I, I don't think I have a hard time with like the concept of art being taught in school. And I understand there's techniques and everything. And I think that's important, but there's something strange to me about being critiqued and being told that's good that's not good someone's objective because art in my opinion is it's fully just it you know what one person thinks is shit some other person falls in love with you know some of my favorite artists i'm sure someone looks at it and they're like oh i mean that's not my cup of tea and that's what's beautiful about it that's what's amazing so i think in the art world i you know i've talked to a couple people who have went to art school and this is obviously a generalization because it's only a couple of people I talked to, but they were really sort of discouraged from continuing to make art just because I think their egos were really like sort of beat down by that like uh, educational system, you know, where it's just sort of like, this is, there's no right way to make art. There's just not, um, yeah, there's techniques and whatnot, but yeah it's so hard for someone to say this is good and this is bad. And I mean, I know that's, I mean, I obviously I'll say that too, but I mean, for someone who's like a budding creative and in those formative years of like trying to figure themselves out and being taught what's good and what's bad. I think that puts parameters on and limits on yourself as a creative person. And but that's just my point of view from the outside looking in because I never went to art school. So I have no idea, but I, I, I'm sort of making that assumption based on my experience in school in film school. It was like that. And in studying film and studying creative writing, it was, you know, I was sort of discouraged a lot by some of the professors because of, you know, it was just like, this was my point of view. And they're like, although that's not good, you need to do it like this. And I'm like, that's kind of like, the antithesis of creativity and art, you know, which is supposed to be like nurturing in school, you know? So I'm glad I didn't go to art school. I really am because I think I would have been really, I'm super sensitive. And as it is, it took me 13 years to even call myself an artist. So I think I would have been so beaten down and uh, um, just really like, um, probably i don't know what the word i'm looking for discouraged i think i might have felt discouraged by anyone's opinion so how do you think that that could potentially change in the future 
like what would need to change for things to be like probably better for creatives who are like aspiring? I mean, I think personally, I mean, I think, I mean, if you were to go to art school, I think it would just be, you know, if you're looking to just sort of establish techniques and whatnot, or, or getting um, different ways of doing things and learning history and, and whatnot. But, and, and I mean, everybody's different. I'm sure there's people who went to art school that loved it and have like huge art careers and, you know, are, um, uh, love the idea of school and art being taught in school. But um, I don't know, it's, a, it's just sort of a different time. I mean, even just school in general, uh, college education, it's like sort of this like question mark, like, is it even necessary um, with the way things have changed? You know, um, when I was growing up, it was just sort of like, that's what you did. You just went to college and it was sort of a necessary thing to do in order to get a job in the workforce. But, but now, it's like, is that even necessary? And art, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, it's a strange, it's, it's an interesting thing. If it's, I mean, you can just, anybody can just start making art. That's what's amazing about it. You know, it's like, I could just pick any, you could pick up a piece of paper, doodle on it. And that can be art, pick up a camera, write a sentence. I mean, it's just really, it's pretty incredible. Like you just start something from, you're making something from nothing and it's just there. So what is the most challenging part of being an artist? I struggle with the idea of perfection. Um, that's something I need to work on. Um, being okay with mistakes and the final product. I, um, I think that's something uh, every day. I feel like in so many ways, like every, I'm always disappointed. Everything I'm making, I'm always, because I'm just never quite comes out exactly how I want it to be. There's always something that I'm critical of. Um, and uh, I, so for me, it's like, and I beat myself up over it. You know, I'll try to like fix it or be like, ah, and, you know, I'll work hard on something and spend weeks or however long it takes to make. And then I'm done with it. I'm like disappointed because it just didn't meet my expectation. I, my expectations are never met. Um, and uh, I think the hardest part is uh, trying to trust, not trust in the outcome. It just be okay with it. Put it away and be like, that's how it came out. I did my best. On to the next thing. Um, so yeah, that's something I struggle with a lot. So that is really nice to my next question, which is kind of like, how do you find the value in your work and, and how do you kind of have the courage to create? I think as far as the courage to create, um, I think it was getting over a hump of just like trusting, uh, trusting in, in myself and I guess trusting in, in the things I wanted to say in my work. Um, um, but a lot of, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's strange because, you know, sometimes I think it's less about, less about, sometimes I feel like uh, it's more just like a, I don't know, a compulsion in a lot of ways where it's almost like um when I make art, it, it's uh, 
sort of like a meditation, I guess. And I don't know if I've become accustomed to that feeling of just turning everything off and just being focused on something. But um, I don't know if I'm like addicted to that feeling or that, that trance-like state where I'm just working on something and everything else around me disappears. Um, and then sometimes I think like, making art like the whole point of me making art is just a distraction from my own painful thoughts and that I struggle with daily um so it turns off the noise the bad stuff but that's actually really funny because one of the questions I've got actually I think is at the end is um about art and escape and like escapism yeah. within art. and it's like so yeah. I'm assuming that you're, you you kind of consider your work as like escapism yeah 100 percent. and you know that's that's something that you know i you don't really i don't really think about art as an escape like generally speaking but when you're doing it um when you're just so invested in it and making something and focused on something um it just becomes this you know i've never been good at meditation i've tried it i can't do it i've never been good at like being I have a lot of anxiety and I struggle with anxiety and depression and just unwanted thoughts. And, but the close, you know, I've, I had a therapist once tell me when I was just making art and I was like, yeah, like time goes by for, you know, four hours will just disappear. I'll look up at the clock and it's all gone. And he was like, well, you're meditating. That's meditation. And I'm like, really? And it doesn't feel like it, but there is this like weird, meditative state at times where you're just you're just so focused and everything else around you is just disappears into the background you know and I and that's really what I love about making art is that I for me personally I've just sort of created my own reality I live in my own space you know when I'm uh, making work I'm just I'm in my own head and this is like my world and everything else out there, all the noise, nothing else matters. And uh, it's just everything in these four walls of my studio. That's that's all that matters. And I that's, think that's what helps keeping keep me like somewhat sane in day to day. It's just turning off all the noise. So actually, so yeah, okay. So let's talk about your work then. Let's get into your work. So for those that may not have seen it, can you just kind of describe it? Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, collage-based, uh, paper collage, but um, over the past four years or so, I started using resin, and um, I would sort of describe it as like mixed media um, resin art, and it's sort of become more sculptural in the more recent uh, years with assemblage, um, so it's it's a combination of paper, paint, uh, shaping of wood and layering resin um, and using, using the resin to layer. And by layering the re resin, it creates depth and shadows and sort of becomes three-dimensional when light hits it at a certain angle. So how did you get into kind of the use of resin as a medium? Because I think that's mm -hmm. like super fascinating. And when I saw your work, I was like, what is this? Um, <laughs> so yeah. Can you talk about because it? it's just it's just for me personally who looks at a lot of art like it's not something I've seen uh, at least not done I, in that way so yeah yeah I um I started you know just making collages and mixed media stuff but everything was flat and on the surface and um 
there's there's a guy named Sebastian Wall who does really cool stuff with collage and resin. And his work was definitely a big inspiration. And um, I met this guy named uh, Evan Schwartz. He's an artist in New York. And um, I was living in New York at the time. And I always wanted to mess with, re mess with resin, experiment with it. And he was like, oh, I use resin in my work. And he does this amazing three-dimensional wood cutouts and he coats everything with resin. So living in New York, uh, we lived in this small railroad apartment and I had no room with two dogs to just make a mess. It's sort of nasty and toxic. And he had this basement um, in Brooklyn that he was able to use. And he sort of introduced me to it and got me playing with it. And I'd go out there to Brooklyn and we'd pour resin in his basement. And I was like, sort of got over the fear of playing with resin because it's, I was like sort of intimidated by it. I'm like, oh, how does this work? This chemical process. And, uh, you know, I pour resin on stuff and coat stuff. And initially what I was doing was, and this is kind of interesting because I stopped making them, but I was taking paper, making paper collages and I wanted them to be three-dimensional. So basically like the frame of the piece, I wanted to to be the piece itself. So I didn't have any woodworking material. I lived in a small apartment in, in Queens. And the way I was making something like wood, like thick, I started with the collage and then I glue a piece of paper, cut it, glue a piece of paper, cut it. Oh, wow. And I did that so much to the point where it was like this thick with paper. And that was like, oh, this is sort of like my sculpture. And then I was coating that with resin. Um, and I got crazy uh, carpal tunnel in my hand from cutting it yeah. over and over again. Um, my thumb, thumb locked up. I was like, I, there's no longevity to this process. <laughs> I yeah, can't do sense. this. So with that said, um, we, my girlfriend and I, we left New York and moved into a house we rented in Burbank, California, just that's basically LA. And um, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I have a garage to make a mess. Now I can really mess with resin. So I still started doing that paper thing where I was like, oh, I'm building up paper. And then I was like, you know what? Why don't I just use wood? <laughs> That's a lot easier. <laughs> um, and then I just started cutting the wood and layering paper and laying the resin. And it's just been sort of a, like an organic process and figuring things out and figuring out temperatures. And it's really temperamental resin to it's it's dependent upon temperatures and it's temperamental with the paper and the paint and it's just been sort of an interesting process of just failing and failing and teaching myself and learning from my I mean I that's another thing what you said as far as like being taking yourself out of your comfort zone if you're saying you know you talking to different artists or something you wouldn't normally do and I think that's how you grow you you try something different, you fail, you don't know how to do it at first, but you figure it out. And I think in playing with uh, resin, um, it was really gave me the confidence to just try new things because I was fucking up everything. I was ruining everything I did. And I'd work on weeks for something and then I'd just ruin it. And it'd be like, okay, rather than get mad about it, I can learn from that mistake and do things differently this time. And uh, I still do that. I mean, every day, um, 
I fail. I mess something up, but I learn from that. Like, okay, I can do it differently this time. This is how I do it, you know? So I like the challenge of it. Um, and in a lot of ways, sometimes it doesn't even feel like I'm making art. It feels like I'm like a furniture maker or wood sometimes because I'm cutting wood and I'm sanding and shaping it. And, you know, it's like the actual art um, is such a small part of it. Like so much of it goes into like the planning of it because, you know, you put a piece down, you pour the resin, you have to wait 24 hours for it to cure, sand it, work on the other layer. So the majority of the time is spent like sanding, shaping, reworking stuff. Um, that's the part that's hard to convey <laughs> when yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm selling a piece, you know, and like, oh, like, how much does this cost? I'm like, well, this took me a month to make. Yeah, I think actually, I think that's one thing I've learned a lot. It is very hard to convey the time something takes, whether that's, you know, a photograph or a painting or, you know, a sculpture, you know, it's because you, we're so used to just seeing the final product. And right. yes, and yeah, you can show the, you know, the video process on Instagram live or, or you know, or just on your reels or whatever, but it still doesn't convey the time spent because that's just right. a sped up video. It's like they don't right. see, and they don't see all the failures in between yeah. and they don't see you know, just kind of the pre-production of everything. And I think it's kind of sad because we live in a society and we'll get into this a bit later, even though it's a bit early, but I'll mention it now because it's relevant. That we live in a society where we only see the final image most of the time. And it's like, are you an artist who enjoys a process just as much as the final image or final piece? Yes. I think for me, everything is the process. That's my entire enjoyment um, I, th I have a hard time. I have a strange relationship with the work I make. Um, I, I, I get obsessed with a piece. I'm obsessed with it, obsessed with it. I mean, if you came in and, and like threw it on the ground, I'd probably like try to kill you. But as soon as I'm done with that piece, as soon as I'm done with it, hang it on the wall or whatever, ship it off. I'm so disconnected from it. I'm you could smash it on the ground and it'd be like, okay, whatever. Um, so in that regards, like, I'm just, it's the process that I, you know, and the frustration as much sometimes as I'm like, oh, this sucked to make, this was just so much trouble. It was such a, it was so stressful. I realized that the process is really what I enjoy good and bad. Um, making it, that's where I really get the joy. Um, not when the piece is finished. I'm just, I'm more relieved when it's finished or when it sells. I'm just like, get out of here, you know? Um, but it's like, I don't even know that I like that. That's what's interesting. I don't even realize I enjoy the process because there's so much, so many ups and downs, emotions and hardship. And there's just all kinds of things that go into a piece. And it, but it, it's really just sort of when I distance myself from it, I can see like, oh, that's that's where I get. That's the whole thing. That's everything for me. So this is a very premature question because it's, mm -hmm. it's not going to ask you way later on. So what is your favorite piece you've created? I've been asked that before. And I think my the, the answer I gave then is still how I feel. I think my favorite piece that I'm, I've created is the piece I'm working on right now. And because 
so many pieces that I've made, I, you know, I'll look back on some stuff and be like, oh, wow, I forgot I made that. And I'm like, oh, it looks pretty good. <laughs> but I don't think anything I've ever made, I, I totally am in love with. Um, and I think that's good and bad. It's bad because I'm never satisfied, but I think it's good because it's good that I'm never satisfied because I'm constantly searching for something be- to try to be better, to try to make something better and challenge myself. Uh, it's like, I'll just, I'll never be, I know I'll never be satisfied, but I think in, in that lack of satisfaction, I'm just constantly searching for something, trying to search for that perfection or that piece that I'm like, oh, this is my favorite. I know it'll never happen. But yeah, there's, so there's a thing I had ages ago, I, I can't remember where it's from, um, but it's like, as an artist, when you create a piece of work, you always sabotage yourself because if you create the perfect piece of work, you'll never create again. So yeah. there's that. Right. Um, and I think that's it. I, right. I probably say that's every single last day interview, but it's kind of a really right. interesting paradox about kind of satisfaction with your own work. And actually, if you were satisfied with your own work, you enjoy anything else again. You'd have reached that, right. you know, once you reach the top of the mountain, you only can go down, you know, it's that kind of situation. Right. So, yeah. 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 I don't, I'm not satisfied. I'm never satisfied to the point where I'm like, I'm sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I feel joy sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if I could feel joy. But I think also is in a way, it's kind of dangerous because it's your life. And I think when you make something your life, it's hard to kind of step back from it and be like, how much do you enjoy and how much you're doing it because you need to do it? Yeah. No, I struggled with that for a while where I was like, especially at times when I was hurting financially and I was like, um this is something i love and it's like something that's like coming from me from like a part of my me uh and it's also something that needs to be make money so it's like crossing those two things which is it was really difficult and it you know at times it felt like a job and i think that's where like the the concept of diminishing returns sort of occurred to me where it's like, oh, I got to make something. Oh, this didn't sell. I got to make another thing. So maybe this will sell. Maybe this will sell. And yeah, you know, at, at some point you start to feel like, what am I doing? Like this, the, it sort of defeats the whole purpose of making art. If I'm just trying to be a machine to make this something that, you know, or even, even worse is trying in my eyes is making something that you think will sell. You know, not because you want to, or it's coming from your your heart. And this is something that's coming from something you believe in. You're like, oh, this sold, so let me make something kind of like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's very and, tempting. Uh, yeah, it is. It is, and I've always tried to, and I'm and I'm guilty of it. I've done yeah. it before, and um, I don't want to fall into that trap you know, or, or try not to, I always want to try to create something organically that uh, I believe in. And I feel it's like coming from a place of, of a pure intention. So I would describe your work as eclectic. That's how I describe your work. I think it's very kind of like the, the themes are very varied. And I think you kind of, you dive into a lot of different things. Um, but actually, could you talk about like, what kind of themes are you interested in and kind of why? Yeah. Um, and this, it's interesting because it's like, uh, I, I don't know if the themes in my work are visible yeah. to viewers of the work. I never know, but I, I think there's just um, ongoing themes of uh, 
isolation, um, love, hope, fear. Um, uh, I think there's sort of sometimes there's, there's just a, definitely like a sadness, sort of an existential dread to some of it. But I think overall it's, it's beauty and hope. You know, I think those, those sort of I try to convey in a lot of ways. So how has your upbringing or your life experiences played a part in the work you create? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, growing up as a skateboarder, growing up back then, it was, we were isolated and skateboarding is very popular now. Yeah. It's like, it's in the Olympics, but back then uh, it wasn't. And you were sort of an outcast, you know? And I sort of, I think that, um that isolation from the mainstream sort of set the tone for um my i guess sort of my like identity you know being an outsider um and i think that i've always sort of thought of myself that way um as someone who's an outsider and just sort of been not really um, with both feet in society, sort of on the outskirts, looking uh, on the outside, looking in. And um, I think that's, yeah, that, that point of view has sort of always stayed with me. And I've always sort of felt that way. So why do you think that so many people who feel like wanting to find like a place in the world kind of turn to art to do so? I think because with art, you can, there's the world that exists and you could be a part of it. You can interact with it, choose to. But with art, you can create your own world, I think. You can create your own, your own reality. Yeah. And it's, it's on your terms. Uh, and that's, I think, what's always sort of, without explicitly thinking about it, I think subconsciously, that's always sort of drawn me to art where it's like, I can create my own world. I can create my own reality and control it. Because like everything in this world is so, so much of it is so out of our, control and to be able to sort of have your hand in the directing of something you know that you're creating I think is appealing to me you know to have that little bit of control over an outcome where so much of this world there is you don't really have much of you know yeah no no yeah that's a good point that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way actually that's a very good point so okay so I'm super curious because you know, as you said previously that, you know, you've kind of dabbled in other creative outlets. So you did like photography and film. Um, do you actually do any of them now? You know, it's interesting. No, I don't. Uh, and that's what's sort of fascinating. Um, writing was a big part of my life. Um, I, you know, I wrote a lot of editorial and stuff, but um, I wrote a lot of short stories and stuff. And there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, I want to write a novel. Um, I wanted to be a novelist. But um, I don't write, but it's sort of interesting. I almost feel like I do write because uh, all of my pieces are have titles to it. And I think they're sort of companions to the piece. Uh, it's sort of like, I see like a piece is like a, almost like a book cover or a movie. And it's the title of the movie or the book cover, you know, and they're sort of intertwined. So you know, sometimes I feel like they're like little poems and the, the words are poems as well in, in some ways. So it's so funny you should say that because I wrote uh, a question here that says, 
how do you choose such poetic titles and do you prefer some sort of ambiguity <laughs> and how do they correlate to the work because one thing i noticed is your titles are really fascinating and i'm i'm a huge fan of titles and like interesting words so yeah like how do you choose titles because like i've got some written down here so you have one that's called based on a true story waiting on supper what was handed down they're very kind of like open-ended mm -hmm. yeah um you know sometimes i have a title in mind and i make the piece around it and sometimes I don't, and I finish the piece, and then uh, I pair the title, sort of write the title once it's done. Um, yeah, um, I, th I think with each piece, like it's almost like, I think in a lot of ways I try to create a world, uh, tell a story more so than create a world, but tell a story with each piece, and I think the titles are sort of glimpses into that world, just a subtle glimpse into that world. Uh, maybe just a, a fraction of a, of a nanosecond of that world that I've created. Yeah, because I was super curious because they're really interesting. And not just that, is that like, mm -hmm. like, because like titles are super important because they can either really correlate to the piece and ruin the image because it's like you're explaining it or they could completely distract yeah. the viewer away from the image because it could just like be nothing like it. So I'm kind of, right. I'm super curious, like how you decide, like, okay, this is ambiguous enough or it's not ambiguous enough. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think I put too much effort into uh, the title sometimes. It's funny because I find them like, I think they're just as important as the piece, but you know, a piece will take me sometimes a month to make but sometimes I'll write, I'll just jot down the title, pair the title with it in, you know, a minute or so. Yeah, it's, but uh, I don't know, words are really important to me, just as, you know, um, I love the written word, the art of the written word and uh, poetry. And I, I think they're just so powerful. So uh, as a companion to the piece, um, I think they're almost one in the same, you know, it's like, sometimes I feel like I could just put the words, pin the wall words up on the wall at the gallery and not have the piece, oh, wow. you know, and, and I'm sure you wouldn't be able to convey the same imagery, but I mean, in a perfect world, like in my mind, maybe you could, you know, you, that's the imagery you could conjure if you read those words. I'm, I'm okay. I'm intrigued by the fact that you create collage because obviously you're assembling images together to form something that's completely different. And so it's like, what kind of advantages do you think that collage has over other mediums? Because you've used film and you've used photography. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, it's a good question. Um, I think it has its advantages and disadvantages. I mean, the advantages maybe just because some of the imagery is already there. It's already sort of created for you. It's already existing where you're not sort of drawing it from scratch or or you don't have to, you know, conjure that image. Um, and, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, hindrance to using collage because you're only, your, your tools are only what's available to you. Um, you know, you have this or this, or you have to search out for this. So, and it has a lot to do with perspective and how, how a piece 
you know, which way is it facing? How is the perspective hitting it? Is it going to be accurately fit here? Um, you know, and not lay flat and sloppy and clunky. Um, for me personally, like I love to create perspective and depth and fit things together so they look organic, so they don't look like something that wouldn't exist in nature if you saw it. Um, I love to fit things together so that all the perspective is proper. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's hard because yeah, you're only, you only have what's available to you. Sometimes you search out for something that you're like, oh, I want that, but you don't have that available. And, you know, it's, I don't use a lot of, there are like people who do digital collage and I don't know how to use a computer. So I, everything I do is cut and pasted. So it's all found material. And so I don't know how, even how to blend stuff together on Photoshop. I have no idea how to do that. So everything's cut and pasted and that's tricky because, you know, in the past I've done commissions and commercial work where they're like, you know, you make something and they're like, oh, how about this here? And I'm like, no, I, well, I have to find that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I have to find something that's going to fit there, resize it. I don't know how to do any of that. So, so you're super funny because that was actually my next question about analog collages yeah, versus digital. It's all uh, it's all analog. Yeah, about say yeah, absolutely. Because um, yeah, and that's it makes it more impressive. I guess actually it's probably more about control. Like as you were saying earlier, it probably comes down to control mm -hmm. because with digital, yeah, you know, no disrespect to any digital collage artists, why should I shut up for some? But no disrespect to any of them. It's just like with analog, you have to take the time to do it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And you can only really, you can only use what's available to you. And I mean, it's frustrating at the same time. There are some times where I'm some days where I'm just like, I wish I knew Photoshop just so I could resize this image. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to do that. Um, to be honest, you know, I'll, if I, so um, it's a lot of just searching out and figuring out ways to make it work, which is also a challenge and can be fun and exciting too but it's, it's a limitation and an advantage because I think it gives sort of a unique perspective, you know, when you're using what's available to you, you know, where that, whereas if you had an abundance of all this imagery to, to pull from, it's, you know, I don't think it would look the same. So that's really fascinating because I think there, you could easily buy yourself a ton of books and, you know, go be very specific about what you want to buy and kind of, force the narrative of your work in a certain way mm -hmm. um, but you choose right. not to and I think that's really interesting because it's kind of like yeah it's almost like and you probably do but it's almost like as you said you use what you have and then you kind of pull something from there and then create something from what you have as opposed to uh, right. deliberately seeking for certain things and certain kind of like you know and if you don't have something you want you're a bit like oh well let's try something else um so it kind of almost yeah. becomes like a puzzle for you um yeah. that's kind of quite interesting yeah yeah, it's really, it can be like organic in that way, you know, um, and lends itself to spontaneity a little bit, you know, when you're flipping through stuff and pulling stuff together and being like, oh, that'll work, or I can put this here, or I can put this here. Um, and then sometimes it's like, oh, you have something in your head and you're like, I got to find that one piece that somewhere, you know, yeah. if someone's turned this way, you're going to need the perspective to fit there. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it makes it challenging and exciting, but it's also 
definitely a hindrance. And for sure. so where do you actually source your images from? From books, magazines that I find, um, you know, just books and magazines, old stuff, you know, constantly finding different stuff. So and this is a question I like to ask Karajai specifically. Um, but what are your thoughts on copyright and kind of the reappropriation of other people's images? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, this is something that I've been asked a bunch. And I think as long as the imagery has been reappropriated enough. Huh. So it's, there are enough like changes to it where it's totally changes the context of what you're looking at. Then I think it's a, I think it's, I think it's fine with that, you know. But when you take something that's just something, and just don't really manipulate it enough, I think there, it gets tricky where it's like, oh, there's that image, but when it comes to the idea of changing it enough where it's become something new and something different, I think that's important to the idea of uh, copyright and and what that means because you're you're sort of taking uh, an image and making it something different. Um, it's sort of like photography in a lot of ways, you know, it's like these things exist, you know, there's a street sign and a person, but you know, you're changing the context, uh, by your point of view, you know, whatever that angle may be, how the lighting is, it's sort of giving a new meaning to how the initial, the imagery in real life, uh, meant if that makes any sense no, that's actually a really good way to look at it. i've never thought about it that way um so that's actually yeah. really interesting that's a really interesting perspective because you're right because obviously like your eye is the artist and the way that you're you frame stuff um particularly with photography where like everybody has a camera and it's quite easy to do in that sense in the very kind of right. base level people can take a picture um you're right like how you frame it and kind of what you choose to shoot point your camera and how you choose to capture things makes it very kind of your own as opposed to just, you know, catching the same sense that everybody else is capturing, for instance. Um, and actually it's kind yeah. of interesting through collage because your work will be very unique because you choose all the images from the different places you choose them. Um, mm -hmm. And actually how important is it for your work to be original? Very, extremely important, <laughs> extremely. Um, you know, and I, and I struggle with that too because, you know, it is collage and, you know, but uh, you know, I think for me, it's important to have my own perspective on, on the work that I create and, you know, making it something that's specific to me, um, whether it's like, not necessarily in my style, but just coming from a place that's 100% um, pure and from me, you know, rather than something that's, I don't know ripping off someone else's style. And do you consider yourself to have a style? I think so, yeah. I think so. How would you describe it? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I'd be more interested to hear someone else describe it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was, that, was that rhetorical? Did you want me to describe it for you? No, no. I mean, if you want to, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when I think of it, it's, it's pretty eclectic. It's like, it's kind of like an interesting, you know, it's like diving into the psych, human psyche, the human condition, um, you know, through use of, of kind of collage media, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I've got to write an intro to this. So I'll have to figure out then. 
Um, and I'll, I'll let you know. I'll send it to you and let you know. <laughs> I'm um, looking forward to hearing it. So let's talk about kind of the timeline of your work because, like, obviously mm-hmm. it takes time. So can I talk about kind of the journey of, like, from start to finish, say, for instance, um, of how you yeah. create, like, let's say a resin sculpture, for instance. Like, where does that kind of, the initial idea come from? Um, it varies. Sometimes I have an idea in mind and I'll sketch it out um, uh, and sort of have a rough idea of how I want it to look. Um, and other times it's much more organic where um, I'll start with an image that I'll, I'll see and, and want to use and build off that. Um, so it's interesting because the resin's expensive and it takes time and you sort of have to think ahead about how things are going to lay, um, in the different layers, because if something's like, if you have too deep of a layer and you forget to put one piece on, it's just not going to work dimensionally. So it it sort of taught me to think about my, uh, the process a lot differently because, you know, and some, sometimes I'll envision how it's going to look in the end, but a lot of times um, it does leave, you know, when I'll have a layer done, I do improvise a lot since I don't really, I don't know how it's going to look at the end until I'm there. So I'll, I'll, I'll add stuff that I didn't foresee as, as I go. And that's really how I work a lot. It's just really, I know there's some artists who, you know, plan stuff out on Photoshop and just this is how it's going to look. And then I execute it. But it's like, I, I really don't know where it's going until it's done. And, um, but, you know, each layer, it's one at a time. I'll work on multiple pieces at once just because the process takes so long and I get bored. If I'm working on one piece for a week, I'll just be like, oh, what you know, I have, I'll pour it. And then I'm like, what am I going to do for the rest of the day? So I usually work on like, at least five pieces at once. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm constantly engaged. And for me, I'm not really, I need to wake up and be excited about something. You know, I love like being it, like losing sleep, being like, oh, I can't wait wait to get, get up and work on that piece, you know? But as I'm finishing one piece, and like I said before, I'll be totally over it. I'll be like, oh, that's done. And I won't be excited anymore. But the new one, I have to constantly like work on a new one, get a new one in the mix in order to keep that excitement going for myself. But um, but yeah, it, it's it's planning and it's not planning because I'll 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 have an idea of where it goes, but you know, with the different layers, and I mean sometimes layers, there'll be 13, 14 layers of resin. So they'll be thick. So as I'm laying them down, there's new new pieces of paint, there's new areas of paint, there's new areas of paper. And um, yeah, so there is improv- uh, room for improvisation as I work. So if you're working on like say, like four or five pieces at once, like do the pieces mm-hmm. end up tying together in some way? <sighs> no, that's what's really interesting. I mean, I have made pieces that sort of tie, I mean, what I can think of just recently, I made two pieces for a show at Paradigm Gallery in Philly, and they, two pieces specifically tied together, but normally they don't. They really exist on their own, in my mind. Um, Each are very specific to themselves, tell uh, a specific story. So do you create work in series? No. Because that's that's pretty curious that you don't. It's, I mean, it might be unintentional. 
at some times. And some pieces may look similar to other pieces. They definitely do. You know, some things that I've been working on lately, like are sort of similar, but they're not part of a series in my mind. They're all unique to themselves. They're all, it's almost like they're, if I think in terms of like, if, if it was like a storyline, they'd all be completely different stories in different books that are not related at all. Um, so yeah, I never, I've never consciously made a series or, or anything that really sort of connects. I mean, recently I made a couple pieces that I guess they're, they're sort of related, but really for the most part, they're all very different see that, in my mind. See, but that's really intriguing because like each of them will be like completely jumping off points for different topics you know and because mm -hmm. there's no like yeah. there's no quote-unquote actual thread running through them if people right. do find uh like a link between them that's just purely coincidental like that's quite interesting yeah yeah and i think i think some people would you know and then some you know there might even be some people that think all of my work is like oh it's the same theme across the line you know across the board but but i don't know i think visually some things look a lot different than others um and that's also just another thing going back to the process is I'm always trying to try, I, I like to try new things. I get bored by doing the same thing over and over again, the same technique, the same. So I like to challenge myself um, and just try new things. So it's kind of interesting because you started off creating work that was two dimensional. I know you create work that's three dimensional. And I'm kind of curious as to how do you think that the sculpture, yeah, the sculptural aspect of, okay. of, you know, resin kind of affects the narrative and the reading of the work as opposed to ah, two dimensions. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it gives, um, because, uh, you know, in the past, you know, I do collage on paper and traditionally it just sits in a frame and I, uh, you know, there's countless collage artists, paper artists, mixed media artists, and they all live in a frame. It's, so the work can be drastically different, but they're still gonna have that uniform frame. And for me, I love that, um, or I love, I enjoy that like my pieces um, exist on their own, their own shapes, um, their own curves. Um, the light hits it and it's, it's sort of just, so a lot of them become really like a hanging sculpture. And there's, I like that you can even touch it. You can feel it um, and not just touch the glass of a frame. You know, you can touch a frame, but you're not really getting, you're not feeling it. Um, I love that there's sort of like, there's weight to it and it's, you can see the contours of it. And it, when the light hits it, it the, the shadows aren't just cast within the piece, the shadows are cast um, on your wall of the light hitting the actual piece and the shape of the piece. So it becomes, to me, more of something that's, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like something that has like permanence, you know? It almost has like a life of its own in a way yeah like it becomes, it becomes ways, part yeah. of the environment as opposed to it becomes like a physical object part of the environment as opposed to just something on a wall yeah that's a good way of saying it because yeah. that's quite it's, nice particularly like if it like refracts light and stuff like that it becomes you know kind of part of the atmosphere which is quite nice actually yeah 
Yeah, and it, it lives on its own as something else. I mean, you could have, I mean, even I have art yeah. on the walls here, not my art. I refuse to do that, but other people's art. And um, it's all in a frame, you know, and it's still, it's beautiful art, you know, I love it, but it's still in the frame. So it's still sort of uniform in a way. It doesn't have that like something that makes it stand out. I'm not, I'm not saying it right. But you know, no, 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 I mean, I think that's actually, again, which is funny because we said this earlier, but that's not something I thought about. And actually, it's a really good idea to consider like the frame as a restriction um, and how it restricts the artist. And it's kind of interesting because the next person I'm going to interview has a working frame. So I'm going to talk to them about that. I'm going to write your name oh, down. I don't think I've ever really thought about that until talking to you. I was like, you know, but it's just, yeah, it's like when you think about a frame, it's sort of uniform in a way. Um, and not that that's bad, but it's, it's like, if you make a piece of art that's flat, it's like, unless it's on wood or a canvas, I mean, usually the go-to for presenting it is a frame, you know? So it gives just sort of another life to the, to the work. Because, because it's kind of interesting. Cause like, as far, like the way I see it is like frames are like windows. Um, and mm -hmm. then the piece of work is the world. So it's like a window into a different world. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. and, I, and what I'm always fascinated by art, um, and I say it all the time, and I think I've commented it on so many posts, but it's like, I'm always interested how something that is flat, that is two-dimensional, can be so three-dimensional and draw you in. I think, like, no matter how many times I see art, I'm still fascinated by that. Because it's like, a painting is just lines of paint. It's just brush strokes of paint on a canvas. Yet, when you look at it, right. it's a whole world. It's a whole scene. Um, it's like, mm -hmm. it's a person. It's kind of like, I'm just always curious about how kind of, art and reality are so closely linked but they're not quite the same and actually mm -hmm. that's not something i wrote down i don't know why i didn't because i always ask people so actually so in terms of reality in your work because i love talking about reality and uh, reality in your work so do you consider your work to exist within reality that we live in or is it its own reality i think it's i would almost say like some of the work i make is more based in reality because it has sort of more themes that or or, or more uh, visuals that are relatable to reality and other stuff is um, that I make is sort of more an alternate universe. Um, it's, it's interesting because it's like the themes and, you know, like we said, the titles, those are very much based in reality. Um, but the pieces themselves are not so much based on reality. I've never really thought about that until just now. Uh, and it's like, maybe that's the case. Maybe the titles are what's tethering the piece to reality and the piece is an alternate universe. Oh, no, I like that. That's nice. Because I was going to say, because like, <laughs> the fascinating part is that like your work is based on images that you find in reality. Like without mm -hmm. the current reality we right. live in, you, your work wouldn't exist right. yet. Right. When you piece it together, it creates something other. I think, right. and actually, I spoke to an artist a while ago called uh, Mark Thompson, and we were talking about. I don't know if you know him, but like artists like Phil Hale. Um, I don't know if you're aware of his work. Um, and no. people just kind of like artists, like there's a very particular type of art that's very much my taste, and it's kind of almost like otherworldly. And he described it as like the netherworld, and it's like the perfect way to describe it because it's not quite reality, but it's not quite fiction either. It lies somewhere in between. And it's kind of right. both the neither, and it's just kind of a really interesting kind of way to put it. And I kind of guess art in itself is very much like that because it, it's tied to reality, but it's also not. 
Um, I don't know. Right. I just think about reality a lot. I think it's interesting. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I mean, that's what makes art relatable because it's, you know, we all, all we have is our, our reality. That's our frame of reference, you know, for the most part and how we relate to things. It's our own perspective and own experience in reality. And I think art is interesting because it allows us to, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that draws us in and we make sense of it based on our own realities, our own perspective, you know? And it's like this something that's created. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's just, it's not there. It's not really there. I mean, it's there, but it, it's almost like the viewer makes it a reality in a way by their, their perspective or their uh, relationship or uh, interaction with it in some way. So that's absolutely hilarious once again, because the question that I copied and pasted from the other interview, I might as well ask you now actually, because that's pretty much quite similar to that. Let me just find it. So it's from a, an artist, a sculptor actually, called Brian Booth Craig. Um, and in the podcast, Artist Decoded, episode 194, uh, he said, a piece of art isn't finished until there is a viewer to engage with it. So is, like, what are your thoughts on that? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I, I'd never thought about that in, in those terms, but I like that a lot. I think that's, that's really true because, you know, like I said before, um, you know, I've made art for, you know, for years, for 15 years, and really didn't show anybody the art I made. So it was like, did I even make art? If nobody saw it, <laughs> did it, you know, who is it for? So there's something to be said for sharing the piece with the world. You know, um, you know, I've talked to other artists who are, you know, it's, it's a, sort of a hard thing to get around or, or sort of to be able to put yourself out there and be like, you know, there's the artists I've talked to and myself included where, you know, you're sort of in, afraid to um, share your art with the world because you are all of a sudden subject to criticism or, you know, it's, yeah. it's a vulnerable position to put yourself in, yeah. right? Um, when you're making something that's from your heart, and, you know, it's, it can be personal. So to share it with a viewer, that's, yeah, it's, yeah I really like that, that he said that um, because it's really true because and this may go, people ask me, I've been asked this a million times, you know, and I probably frustrate the person asking the question every time, but, you know, I've always asked, you know, someone will be looking at one of my pieces, whether it's at a show or, or online. And they say, what does this mean? What do you mean by this piece? Or, and I have no interest in telling you what it means to me at all. I'm only, I'm more interested in what it means to you because it's like, it's like a, a book. I find it fascinating. When you read a book, they're just words on a page, but your mind conjures the imagery. Um, you basically create moving pictures in your head, like a movie. Uh, and you're creating that. You're, you're bringing those words are bringing imagery to life, but your head, your, your perspective, your mind, your experiences are, are conjuring that imagery. And I think the same thing happens with art um, as far as an experience with it. You know, um, and you're going to, the viewer is going to get, are going to have their, uh, your experience looking at my art, it's going to be a different experience for someone else. I hope, 
Um, and uh, I think that's what's really special about art. It, 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 uh, it's different, Every, different viewers, different observers are gonna have a different experience with it. You know, not one, not two people are gonna have the same experience with it. That's really cool. I think that's amazing. That's a, a really good way of looking at it, actually. I think as the artist, it's kind of, it's not really your responsibility to decide whether you like it or not, or what it means. It is also the people's, because at the end of the day, although you're making it probably for yourself, it's also not for yourself yeah. in another way. It's kind of a hard par paradox between who you're creating it for, and you kind of have to establish that within yourself. It's like, how much of it, how much of it is commercial? Right. How much of it is personal? Because there's always a ba the inner battle. Um, which is something we'll definitely enter later. Yeah. So when do you know when a piece is good enough to be called, considered finished? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like, it always it passes through my head regularly where they, someone said, you know, art is never finished, it's abandoned. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I like that a lot. Oh, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. I'm referring that to you. I'm going to credit that to you. No, no, no. Sorry, continue, yeah. but like, um, that's really so, good. You know, sometimes I you can work something until it's dead, and you're like, you, you. I mean, I think personally, I can ruin a piece by working on it too much. Um, so I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Like sometimes I'll work on something and be like, oh, I'm just not happy with it, and I'll add something to it or put it aside and go back to it later. But a lot of times, I feel like I just know when it's done. Where I'm just like, this is how it's. This is how it needs to look. And whether it has many pieces, uh, many components to it, or very little, um, a lot of times I just know when it's done. I feel like it's I'm happy with the way it looks. I mean, there are other times where I'll work a piece to death, and I still just won't be happy with it. I won't be happy with it. And there's a you know room and in, in, in the other room where I just have pieces that I haven't shown anyone just because I just weren't. I'm just not happy with the way they came out, but. And I think that's important too, to what, for me personally, to walk away from something that isn't quite working uh, and focus on the stuff that is. So how do you decide what is worthy of sharing and what is kind of like a success in your work? You know, it's funny because <laughs> so much of like I'll, a piece that I hate will be the one piece in a show that is everybody's favorite and it sells real fast or, you know what I mean? You know, I, I, like I, I had a show in 2019 and like the gallery owner was like, had a piece that she wanted to put up and she's like, oh, this is my favorite piece. And I'm like, I hate that piece. Like, I wish I never even sent it to the gallery. And it's always, in my experience, it's always like the one that I like the least that someone loves. So it's sort of tricky that way, but for me, I don't know. I, it's like, I, I like to put out what I think is, is good or represents how I feel like a piece should match my intention when I created it or like my overall thematic uh, or, or just something that I'm, I, I feel good about, you know, there are pieces that I may, maybe I had a, an idea and it just doesn't quite match the way it comes out. But sometimes I'll show my girlfriend and I'll be like, should I put this out? And she'll be like, yeah, yeah. She, but she'll be like, I like it. But um, yeah, it's tough. 
it's tough because not everything is, you're not going to knock it out of the park with everyone, you know, some things you might like. And it's just a weird thing because art is subjective. People would love yeah. some, some things and other people's people would love other things. So it's tough, but I think it's just, you know, there's another thing I think of, I think Andy Warhol said it. He's like, don't get hung up on thinking if your art is good or bad, just keep making art. And I think about that sometimes too, because I'll get hung up on something to be like, ah, oh, should be like that. I'll just be like, what am I doing? Fuck it. Like, just finish it. Go on to the next piece. I'm obsessing over this and spending too much time on it when it doesn't need to be. So how important is it for you to get a second opinion on your work then? And kind of, do you have, and do you have, like, who do you ask? Like, who, who do you value? The only person I ask is my girlfriend. That's it. Yeah. And I'll just ask her. And, and to be honest, a lot of times she'll say, oh, I'd like this. And. Not that I, I, I disagree with her or don't respect her opinion, but I will do something different anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just a reassurance yeah. of having shown it to somebody else. Um, so, yeah. What are, what are you talking about while I'm making it or the final product? Like the fun? Yeah. Well, either way, I guess. I mean, I guess with a final piece of everyone just shat on it and they were like, this sucks. I mean, I'm sure I would feel bad you know but i mean you know sometimes with social media you put something out and you get like this overwhelming response and everybody's like oh my god i love this or it sells real fast and other times you put out something that you really think you is good and just crickets and um i don't think i take it too hard in that sense but i mean i just i guess that's just the nature of social media but it's not very important to me to get critique really about my work um you know someone else's opinion i don't think is going to sway the way i continue to work or change the way i i see things see the world and create create work create art so what percentage of work do you show versus percentage of the work you've done i would say i show most of it just because i would say a most of the stuff I show on social media, um, there are just, I would say every like couple months, there's a piece that I'm like, eh, this is just going to go someplace else. <laughs> I don't want to show the world. I won't just, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time and it doesn't always work out the way, but I show most of the work, I think. I think one thing that people tend to forget is that your mindset when you're creating the work, when you start, is different from when you finish it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. It's an ever-evolving thing. It's like, you know, you have intentions of one thing and, you know, you make a mistake and that leads somewhere else. It gives you an idea for something else. And it's, I, and I think that goes back to uh, my love for the process because it's just like this weird journey that each piece will take you on. Um, and just, you know, yeah, it never comes out the way you thought it would, the way you envisioned it. Never, never. Both. It's a good thing or a bad thing though. It's both. It's a good thing and a bad thing because I'm sure some initial ideas I had were shit. And then when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, this came out good, you know? And actually, could you talk a bit about it? That concludes the first part of my conversation with Jay Regia. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, 
please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word and the reach of the podcast. Also, don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch with a chance to be featured or interviewed. We now also have a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further. Tears start from £1, so please head on over to patreon.com slash theflyingfruitbowl for further information. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this interview. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.